Hello and welcome to Spooky Tales of the Pacific Northwest and Beyond. This is Jennifer, um, the same Jennifer that was here the last time. Uh, so we're going to be doing some paranormal stories. This will be the third episode of that one as I prepare for Halloween. Um, I was going to do the aliens and abductions, but because I forgot what, you know, where we were at in the month of October. So that'll be after um, Halloween's episode. Uh, so this particular story is written by Shounzi from Oregon, and it is says, this goes back to 1995. I was 13 years old, and with me were my two younger brothers. Uh, the field where this story takes place was sold and developed soon after my experience, which further hints that the farmer passed away and the land was sold at the last harvest. The street name was Lambert Street Northwest. Any address is irrelevant. It's quite obvious on Google Maps where the new homes and the older homes connect. So that's a little, they're giving you a little bit of, you know. <clears throat> the story, the actual story begins in West Salem, Oregon at approximately 8 p.m. The neighborhood was built on wheat fields and possibly other crops in the 1980s. I lived on a short dead-end road, one house away from the end of the road, which immediately began the wheat field. The last house after mine lived an elderly couple. The husband had had a bad stroke and had difficulties mentally afterwards. A wonderful man, too. My ghost incident, ghostly incident happened on the edge of his property and in the field. My brothers and I liked going to the muck water that built up at the far corners of the farmer's field day and night to attempt catching frogs. Sounds about right. This night, I grabbed our big flashlight and the three of us boys went on our usual walk through the rough terrain towards our destination only to be stopped in our tracks by a very detailed entity that was literally an elderly man who looked like he was in his farming clothes clothing the stereotypical look from the old days i noticed this in absolute shock as i raised my flashlight directly into the mass of the fog standing in front of us standing still and feeling like we were being stared at i said hello when there was no response, all three of us darted back into our house, the looks of horror on our face. I could feel the fear running through me as I desperately pleaded with my pops to come outside and see this. He laughed at first due to me crying wolf about a fake sighting I told him about in the past. After he swore he saw the exact same type of entity at the opposite end of our house, our street, one house down the opposite way of the, the field at the stop sign. He finally followed us to out to look and of course, nothing. I cannot forget the feelings of I experienced never. I can still see the ghost in my head clearly to this day. About 2021, I would drive through the same area as a graveyard hours job mostly almost nightly. Um, there was a couple times I would pull over and stand in the exact same spot, which now which is now a house side yard with a tree planted in the spot where the entity stood. A friendly cat would wander out to me and rub up on my leg as I would stand out there. I'm sure it was just coincidental. I was so close to this ghost that I could have reached out into it with my hand. As I read through my experience, it sounds too good to be true. I feel very blessed having the opportunity to see such a life-changing event. I think children carry the ability to see ghosts. We grow up and out of this, in this sense. Some do not, though, which is even more exciting. If I had a chance to do it over again, I think I would still react the same way as I did back as a child. Scared out of my mind. It may be the reason that my hair went gray early in life. That's a joke and probably also coincidental. So both my dogs have decided to join me. <laughs> so if you hear any weird noises in the background, that would be them. 
Um, so that was the story from Shaunzi, um, and they are out in Oregon. I have not seen or heard myself a ghost, and I kind of feel left out sometimes when I read these stories or hear about them or any of that kind of stuff. I think it would be fun. So our next story is by Eros, and they are out of Washington. Um, the story begins, forgive the long story as I am going to use it as a sort of catch-all for several experiences that tend to be related. As stated in my other stories that I've published, I've taken some of these stories off of yourghoststories.com, so that's what they're talking about. I've had paranormal experiences for much of my life. I have been drawn to the UFO ET phenomenon ever since I can remember. When other children my age were flipping through pages of Dr. Seuss, I was enthralled by page after page of black and white photos of UFOs. Girl, same. This was a strange passion. I couldn't consciously quantify that would be a driving force throughout my adult life. My first UFO sighting came in my teens in the 1980s. I lived in the Pacific Northwest and have visual access to Mount Rainier in most areas in my region. So that would be like, oh... Probably like the Tacoma, Fife area around in there. Actually, quite a few places. But I do know that you can see Mount Rainier from Tacoma. Um, one bright sunny day, I noticed a flash of light that caught my eye. I looked towards Mount Rainier and there was a massive ball of what looked like flames. At first, I thought I was witnessing a rare and powerful daylight meteor, but this was too large and traveling too slowly to be a meteor. It just chugged along for what seemed like minutes. From that point on, I, w I, m I have... From that point on, I have seen multiple UFO sightings ranging from intriguing balls of light in the sky to chrome-looking stationary balls hovering, hovering over the Boeing Aerospace facility in the valley. In one frightening sighting, I was traveling from New York, Jer New Jersey back to my home in Washington on a continental flight. I spotted these lights in the far distance that seemed to be moving parallel with our plane. As we began our descent into SeaTac Airport, the lights began to fly towards us. That's kind of scary. Due to the cloudy, foggy conditions, I couldn't make out anything. But as it got too close, as it got, in parentheses, too close, the lights took on a V or Delta configuration and flew right behind us. I thought for sure it was going to hit us and my life would come to an end under mysterious circumstances. That's why I'm for a really long time I was afraid to fly. My obsession with UFOs and ET was at this point insatiable. I couldn't get enough and I would fantasize about being one of the lucky ones that would be brought aboard a spacecraft and interact with a non-human intelligence. Not the negative probing ones, mind you, but the ones who seem technologically and spiritually advanced. In 1997, I finally made conscious contact with what I believed was a non-human intelligence. <clears throat> I was living, living alone at the time in an apartment and I had just gotten up from bed to go to the bathroom. I came back and laid on my back and that was when I saw it. Although it was dark out, there was a soft there was soft moonlight shining in from my blinds, which made the room just light enough to discern shadows and shapes. For instance, I had a TV at the foot of my bed and I could clearly see the outline of it of it this in this light. Sorry. There, directly in front of the TV, was what appeared to be a large bald head. I probably would have screamed bloody mutter. Um, my fight or flight instinct instantly kicked in and my heart began to race and panic was imminent. I quickly discerned I was unable to move. I don't like that. To this day, I am unclear 
Give me a second, guys. I gotta go evict these animals. Couple of dunderheads, freaking rabble rousers, trying to wrestle over a ball in my bedroom. Okay, so my fight or flight instincts instantly kicked in and my heart began to race and panic was imminent. I quickly discerned I was unable to move. As I said before, don't like that. To this day, I am unclear if it was due to such an adrenaline rush of fear in my system or if something external was causing my immobility. Suddenly, this being floated over to my side of the bed. It did, did not walk. It did not jaunt. It floated. I was completely and utterly beside myself. All these years of hoping to be contacted, and here I was, wide awake with something clearly not human inches from me, and it was everything I could do not to scream. I would have been screaming bloody murder. Be careful what you wish for, they say. Suddenly, this being took my hand and gently squeezed. The last thing I remember in that moment was the feel of its hand was neither warm nor cold to the touch, but felt like someone was wearing surgical gloves. Weird. I'll never forget that. Suddenly, I was transported to a moment when I was a small child in my bed with my hand dangling over the side and something squeezed it, which caused me to scream out in terror. In parentheses, they have written, I wrote about that experience titled Ghostly Hand Squeezes Mine as a Child. I might have to find that and um, share it also on the pod one of these days. From there, the next thing I literally recall is waking up in the morning fully light outside. Of course, bravery comes in retrospect as I suddenly wished I had engaged the entity with conversation. I do not consciously recall if I spoke to it in any way. The only thing I recall after my hand was squeezed was that memory of being a child. It was also around this time that I woke in the morning with the word Eros in huge red block letters in my mind's eye. I had never experienced anything so clearly like that in my life. I spent years trying to look up the meaning for it, but never could to my satisfaction. Oh, and Eros is spelled A-R-O-S. I finally came to the conclusion it is my real name, as in my real spiritual name, but I've been using it online as in my online handle ever since. A year or so later, I attended a psychic fair in Seattle. I had a reading done and the psychic accurately mentioned my contact experience to me without me saying anything. She said that it came from the White Brotherhood, which I immediately took some offense to as it sounded like some racist organization, LOL. She insisted it was anything but. I later did some research and discovered that there is an allegedly some s allegedly such an advanced species with the, that title overlooking humanity. Is that who made contact with me in 1997? Was that the same being or entity that grasped my hand as a small child? Was it trying to tell me it was always with me? I may never get the answers to these questions until my physical body dies and my soul moves back home where remembrance and knowledge is currency. However, I'll never stop trying to find those answers before my time ends in this lifetime. I hope that one day I will remember who Eros really is, and I hope that moment will be filled with joy. I, I, it's arrogant for us to think that we are the only planet in our solar system, in our universe, that has sentient life. So, I fully 100% believe in in aliens 100 you can't convince me otherwise however i'm not sure i would be okay with them coming into my bedroom and squeezing my hand i feel like that's mildly a violation right there i i would i would i would have to draw the line i would have to say hey boundaries let's respect them let's not do that okay 
Um, but yeah, I mean, like I fully 100% prescribe to the whole idea that there are elite life forms out there that have possibly and more than likely visited us. They probably think we're fucking out of our minds though and never want to really actually interact with us because I mean, have you seen the state of this fucking world right now? Like fucking seriously, it's, it's just ridiculous. This entire world. So next story comes from Dar 77 and it is out of Idaho. <coughs> Excuse me. That was really loud. Sorry. Um, this story, it begins as let me begin by filling you in on my first house. The year was 1996 and I was pregnant with my first child. My ex-husband and I have been, had been living with his parents far too long. And with a baby on the way, we knew we simply had to get a place of our own. Like, I don't blame you at all. I would have done the same thing. It had seemed that with the monthly income we made, it would be almost an almost impossible goal. Girl, I feel you. That is until we were made aware of an old house that his grandmother had owned that had just been sitting and unoccupied since the incident. The story goes, my grandma's ex-husband, I mean, <laughs> wow, my ex-husband's grandma, uncle, and aunt had purchased an older home inside the city limits after the state had bought their home on the range in order to lay down the interstate and place a rest area back in the 50s. So with their new lump of money, the three of them relocated to their new home. All I was told was that I, I think it's Eileen or Ilian had been attacked and sexually assaulted by three men who, and Eileen was the um, aunt, um, by three men one evening in the alleyway behind the house. That's unfortunate. This unfortunate incident or unfortunate event took a toll on her and she quickly lost her mind, being forced by the state to be placed in a local insane asylum. Like that happened quite more often than people like to admit. Basically, her last days were spent in the house. Shortly after being admitted, she took her own life. That happened quite often also when it came to local insane asylums. I can go on a whole tangent about that, but I digress. This is not about me. This is about Dar 77. Sometime later, the grandmother took a fall down the front steps and required around-the-clock nursing care. And so she was also admitted into a nursing home. Shortly after her admittance, she passed away. In the end... The only one left in the house was the uncle, who reportedly was already mentally unstable, and I imagine that this was too much for him to bear. Apparently, he attempted to take his own life in this house by slashing his wrist. He was not successful and was also admitted into a facility for his own safety. So here sat this house with its tragic history all shut up for years when we, in parentheses, my ex-husband and I, decided to try and talk the uncle into letting us live there dirt cheap. He seemed all happy to have visitors and almost excited that somebody wanted to live in his home that at one point had meant so much to him and his family. As I've said before, I had a rich past of dealing with the paranormal and, and explained, so the history of the house didn't really affect my decision. I just knew that having a baby and that I was having a baby and desired to have my own place. I felt the place just needed some sprucing up and thought that by having some young people and the arrival of a new baby inhabiting it would just would be just what the house needed. My ex-husband worked the night shift at a local restaurant around that time and would sleep during the days, which wouldn't leave much time to get the place ready for moving in. I figured that while he was at work in order to kill two birds with one stone, I would go ahead and clean it up and give it a fresh coat of paint. The last, the first and last night I decided to head over there and paint. I remember there being a very unwelcoming feeling about the place when I pulled up. 
I didn't let it stop me and I grabbed my gear and headed inside. Once inside, I began to wonder if we had made a bad decision about moving into the house. But I've always believed that once you start something, you should finish it and stick it out no matter what. So I took a couple of deep breaths, cleared my mind and started in on the painting. I knew I was not alone and that was fine. I kept hearing odd no noises in different parts of the house. I was determined to keep the, to get the painting done and wasn't going, and I wasn't going to let it deter me. That is until I began to hear voices and hissing of sorts. I don't like that. I began to feel uneasy with that, but still I held true to the task. I was in the living room and on the other side of the wall was the bathroom, which still had one of those metal chairs in the shower used for people who cannot stand up and take a shower on their own. I heard some scuffling in the bathroom and then what sounded like the metal chair being sat on, sat in abruptly or moved. So I stopped painting and listened some more. I hear the bathroom door shut and some more hissing. Standing there, not moving, still facing the wall with a paint roller in my hand, I just kind of waited. I'm just kind of waiting to see what comes next. I refused to look away from the wall in fear of maybe seeing something I would rather not see. I knew in that moment that the spirit or whatever was in the room with me, very near me. At that point, I figured that if I showed no fear, it would not do much. The next thing I knew, right next to my ear, I hear a whisper saying, Donnell. It knew my name. I dropped that roller right in the paint can and left that place as quick as I could. All the lights still on, doors unlocked, and radio playing. You would think I would have decided to revoke the decision to move in at that point, but the situation at my in-laws was less than desirable and I was getting ready to have my first kid. I felt it just had to happen. Besides, who could really have, what, what could really, I think there's a typo right here. Besides, what could really happen? How bad could it truly get? On a comparative scale, I decided that dealing with the spirits would be cakewalk with this spirit would be a cakewalk compared to dealing with the whole situation at the in-laws house. So I decided that it would best it would be best not to tell my ex-husband of what had happened that night. I simply told him that the pregnancy had me feeling exhausted and that I thought it would be best if we finished painting the house on his days off. We lived a total of three years in the house with only a handful of occurrences. One evening, while my husband was at work, <clears throat> I was up late and very pregnant, feeling the need to do some deep cleaning as the due date of the baby was very near. Us mothers refer to this as the nesting instinct, and for some people, it is very true. This was stand. I there I was standing in the kitchen when I heard voices coming from the basement. It sounded strange, like that of a radio station that wasn't well tuned, but it just kept on talking and then stopped. I walked over to the door that led to the basement and locked it. Smart. I would have done the same. I decided that it would be a good idea to just keep that door locked at all times. Also, I would have done the same. I would hear the voices in the basement often, but that was about it. I never mentioned it to my ex-husband. One morning while lying in bed, I happened to notice a set of faint handprints on the ceiling above me. I just thought, huh, that's an odd spot for handprints, <laughs> considering that the ceilings were so tall, but didn't think too much about it. On another occasion, we were heading to bed and made it to the bedroom when the television turned on all by itself. My ex-husband and I just looked at each other and he walked over and shut it off. One night I was awakened by yelling coming from the living room. As I laid there listening, it was obvious to me that the television was had once again been turned on, had turned, oh my goodness, had once again turned itself on and seemed like the volume was all the way up. 
I found myself once again lying in the bed and staring at the ceiling and happened to notice that there was now a few sets of handprints. It seemed like each time I would look at the ceiling, there would always be more sets of handprints. In the dining room, there was always this big stain that no matter what I did, what company I hired to clean the carpet, this stain would always reappear. I've heard about that and it's really weird. I found it rather peculiar. So I went and asked the uncle where exactly in the house did he cut his wrists and he told me the dining room. Well, there, there you go. After repeated attempts of getting rid of the stain, it became apparent, apparent that the stain, the stain was there to stay. I placed a throw rug over it as a solution to the problem. Voices in the basement, the television randomly turning on by itself, and unexplainable handprints were all that we had to deal with. Not so intolerable, right? Well, sometime after our first child was born, the uncle in the middle of the night called me up, desperately asking me to get him out of the nursing home he was in. So he, so he came to live with us in his house. We had been living there for over a year at that point. The paranormal activity seemed to cease once he was living with us. I became pregnant with our second child when our firstborn was a year old. The pregnancy went accordingly, but around the time I was seven months along, I had an accident. It was wintertime, and the front steps were covered in ice. I had pleaded with my ex-husband to make the stairs ice-free several times, and but he neglected to do so. Good thing he's your ex-fucking-husband. We were going somewhere, and I was headed down the stairs when suddenly my feet slipped. In hopes of protecting the baby, I grabbed a hold of the stair rail and sort of aimed my body in a way to land on my back. Mind you, these were the very stairs that his grandmother had met her demise. I was rushed to the hospital and the baby and I were placed on 24-hour observation. Thankfully, we were all right, according to the ER doctors. However, the remainder of my pregnancy became extremely difficult. I had planned a natural birth, but turned out as an emergency C-section. As someone who had two C-sections, an emergency one is crazy. When our second baby was merely two months old, my ex-husband's uncle decided to kick us out and take everything from us. That's rude. We ended up moving out of that house then and never returned. However, when my second child was about 10 months old, I started getting very sick, not being able to hold down any food or any liquid liquids and a very drawn out sickness that nobody could pinpoint point engulfed my life. After the whole run around with numerous visits to the ER specialist and painful suffering, two years later, the problem was finally found. Turned out that when I fell down, fell on those stairs during my second pregnancy, the jolt of the baby's body had crammed my spleen up against my pancreas and up against my spine. Ow. In results, killed my spleen, 60% of my pancreas, and severely damaged my spine. Oh, that's terrible. I nearly died because of that one fall, and it, was, and it has ultimately stole my physical health since I was 22 years of age. It caused a, lot, a sort of spiral effect, and since then, I have known nothing other than surgeries and great physical pain. Oh, honey, I'm sorry. Looking back, I wish that I would, just, would have just stayed at my in-laws instead of moving into that house. At least I still would have had my health. That's terrible. Huh? Um, yeah, no, that's awful. I didn't even know babies could do that. Um, so the next story is also from Washington. And it's written by Bettina Marie. And it goes, what happened in this story scared the bejesus out of me. And seven years later, I'm getting creepy goosebumps trying to write it. Probably it won't seem scary to readers, but for us, it was very unnatural and frightening. If anyone could explain this or has experience, experienced, I would be grateful for your comments. Again, I took these stories off of yourghoststories.com. So there is an ability to write comments onto the stories, kind of like a forum. Um, 
Also, this this woman writes her boyfriend as my fella, and I think it's adorable. Um, my fella is quite romantic. He took me hiking one of his and one of his favorite on one of his favorite trails on Mount St. Helens in Washington State. The stars came out as we drove back down the mountain, watching carefully for deer or elk on the move at dusk, which you have to do because they do that. An elk weighs about a ton and can destroy a vehicle if you if you hit one. Yes, if you hit an adult bull elk, they can total a freaking bus. So try not to hit them. The trick is to watch for the reflections of their eyes besides the road. Beside the road, which has been my job as a passenger since I was six. <laughs> I love that. The view opens wide up to the south where the low earthen berm makes a reservoir. Reservoir. Below the dam is a parking area, which was empty at night. It's not a trailhead or a scenic area, just a country lot. I gotta take a drink of water. Hold on. Busy with anglers when we passed in the morning. We decided to pull over for some proper stargazing. We had not seen any traffic, so we were safe to lay out flat and ogle the whole sky. I love doing that. We laid on the pavement in front of the car. I've never done it that way. Where anyone could see us if they randomly pulled up or drove by. I had just got, got comfy using my arms under my head. We had been laying there for perhaps two minutes. What happened next, I cannot explain by any rational or natural means. It freaks me out to think about it. Just above... And very near uphill of me, where from the woods across the road came loud and dis and dis distinctly the most artificial, out of place noise. It was a single clear sort of plastic pop, like the sound of an open opening Tupperware lid or unsealing a jar. Precise, deliberate, with suction. That just sounds disgusting. A pop like that, but much louder from about chest height, not woodsy, not normal. And every hair on my body raised up and my brain went into flight mode. We both sat instantly upright, not saying a word or even looking at each other, just jumped in the car with no pretense of calm. I would have done the exact same thing. Of course, we looked around us as we exited the lot and everything looked exactly the same. When we pulled around, no eyes shone, showed, at a, showed as our headlights crossed the spot where the noise definitely came from. After driving fast and from that horrible wrong sound, he finally spoke to me and asked me if I heard it too. In case anyone asked me, in, in case anyone asked from me, the tree line began uphill to the right across two lanes, maybe 20 feet away. The underbrush is thick hazelnut runners, bushes, and knee-high blackberry brambles. I hate blackberry brambles. Even just off the country road. However, the nearest trees are not wide, only about 30 years old, planted after the eruption. The dam rose behind us, still water almost to the fishing spots on top. The lot and open area below the berm met trees on the left side, several hundred feet away on the end of the dam. There are no buildings or houses, not any people or streetlights. It was clear, especially bright by the water. There was moonlight enough to see very easily in any, in any directions once our eyes adjusted. It was before 10 p.m., a gorgeous summer, summer night, hardly a breeze. One could feel smell fresh water and the different trees. I have lived in similar woods, just for the record, and I feel at home even at night. My fellow was familiar with the road and the area, and I had no reason to feel unsafe. But as my father's daughter, I always check the perimeter, of course. We are both hunters used to listening for game. We made plenty of noise getting out of the car, hiking since then. We have seen mountain lions way too close in Oregon and Washington. He once saw a bear in daylight and it ran, it ran away because we have black bears in Washington and stuff like that and they're big chickens. 
making lots of noise through the brush. Neither predator made any cry both, and both moved away from the people. We did not run on those occasions. Other small animals would likely move ahead, move away when we jumped up or its eyes would shine in the headlights watching us leave. No animal that I have heard of in the Pacific Northwest makes that noise. That noise came chest level, very near, very uphill, and just uphill across the road. I figure a bear would be on the ground, a mountain lion in the trees, a person lit in the moonlight is visible that close, or at least seen in silhouette of headlights. I would like a natural, rational explanation. We are confident, sane adults, and stone-cold sober when we both heard it and ran off. Fear is not a voluntary reaction. I was still scared. I am still scared typing now. There was no change in air pressure, light, or temperature, just an instant electric fear. The feeling did not shake for many miles. We still have no better way to describe what we call the outside Tupperware noise. I've looked into folklore, animals, and history of the mountain and found nothing to explain this particular sound. I have also asked folks folks who spent time on St. Helens and finding no experience. My, fe- my fellow casually just says just now, maybe it was a cougar, but unless the big cat brought a container of leftovers, I have to disagree. <laughs> so people died on Mount St. Helens during the eruption in 1980. Um... <laughs> log I think loggers and homesteaders and just people died on the mountain you know like one of the there was a volcanologist or something like that who died on the mountain it maybe they heard a ghost you know it could have been Bigfoot it could have been a lot of different things it could have been an alien you know because Washington does have a lot of um alien sightings at you know like UFO sightings and stuff like that but there are a lot of animals on Mount St. Helens but people also died during the eruption on Mount St. Helens. So maybe it was a ghost. I don't know. But that was the story from Dar77 from yourghoststories.com. Oh, no, that wasn't Dar77. I'm sorry. That was Bettina Marie. The other one was Dar77. Um, but yeah, she calls her uh, boyfriend my fella. And I think that's friggin' adorable. Um, but that is it for our paranormal stories for this week um next week is halloween so well not next week is halloween but you know halloween is coming up so my next episode will be um involving halloween so and probably various different traditions of halloween around the world including salmon um so yeah i mean and then Halloween itself, I'm going to find some spooky Halloween stories to have a little <laughs> impromptu uh, episode. So watch out for that stuff. Anyway, yeah, keep it spooky. Have a good time. Enjoy your weekend. Get Take a nap if you need to. Uh, drink water. Um, eat some candy. But not all of your Halloween candy. Remember, it's still Halloween. You still got to wait for Halloween. Don't eat all your candy. All right. So I hope everybody enjoyed yourselves. Um uh, Remember, keep it spooky. Enjoy your Halloween. Enjoy your weekend. Take a nap.